The first experience that I can remember of losing something was at two years old when my grandmother passed away. Though I was too young to understand grief, there were definite times growing up when I knew she was missing, and her absence was marked by her disappearance from our family photo albums. There are other losses that I can remember as a child. In fifth grade, my basketball team made it all the way to the championship, only to lose by a few points. There were tears, disappointment, and sadness around losing the opportunity to be called the best. As a senior in high school applying for colleges, I recall the stinging rejection from the school that I really wanted to get accepted from. Not having the opportunity to attend that school and the prestige that came with it was devastating. It was a dream lost. This is Life as He Reveals, where we unpack the Christian faith beyond Sunday morning. I'm your host, Sharice Lee, and our topic in this episode is losing, and specifically the experience of loss as something at the heart of the human experience. As this episode is being recorded, we are months into the COVID-19 pandemic, which has upended our entire world. And for all of us, it has meant losing a massive series of things, from our individual routines and a sense of normalcy, to the actual loss of human lives to this virus. I have, on many days, found myself grieving over things I would have never considered would be taken from me. In this season of loss, I've been reflecting on some key questions that we will look at in this episode. Why is loss so hard? Why do some things that we lose matter more than others? What is distinct about the Christian experience of loss? And how does the gospel speak into the losses we experience in this life? It's hardest to lose the good things like you know we always are if we lose our favorite pair of shoes it's different than if we lose you know a pair of one dollar flip-flops or something Mm. megan lowe is a homeschooling mom of four and pastor's wife originally from southern california but now residing here in san francisco she happens to love talking about shoes with her husband but on this episode she talks with me about one of the most significant losses in her life which was losing her mom to cancer. She wrote a paper for her master's in biblical counseling on the theology of suffering and grief, drawing from her experience of losing her mom. In a grander scheme, obviously, like losing someone who is close to you and and dear to you, and someone like my mom definitely is, um, yeah, is a difficult and hard loss. The hardest losses also if you are a believer like are those huge catalysts in your life that god uses um because if it's just something that you don't really care about that you lose like it doesn't really have an impact on you um but i realized like though this loss yes is lost and it's was sad and i mean still painful um and still hard um i also I'm thankful that God is able, allowed me to see like the, all the good that he brought out of it. So, um, just to help me see that, yes, even this really good thing that God gave me, 
is fragile, is temporary. And to remember that, like, my hope lies beyond this world and this earth and, and the good gifts that he gives even here um, aren't, aren't mes- meant to last. They're meant to point me to something greater. And obviously that's Christ. I really like that you quoted, and I'm not familiar with this author, or have read his book, James Bruce, From Grief to Glory. And um, his quote, I think, really speaks to this idea of the how sneaky grief can be. Can you, Megan, take us through how you dealt with some of those overwhelming waves that had an undertow in the process of losing, losing your mom? Sure. Um, first, I guess I'll start with just some of the sinful ways that I dealt with with my mom's lot, with losing my mom. Um, just trying to take comfort in things of this world, um, particularly food. I just found comfort in food and and being able to control food and control, in so many words, just like how my body processed it, and so. Um, initially there were times where I would just indulge in food and let that be my comfort and wallow in, you know, my sorrow with food and, um, and other things just, you know, getting lost on my phone and using that as kind of an escape from the grief that I was facing and feeling and and the, the void of not having my mom there. Mm. Um, so those are just kind of a couple of the ways sinfully that I (laughs) dealt with that grief and um, loss. And um, thankfully just through, like I said, the biblical counseling program, I was able to really um, uncover like why I was doing those things. I think in my mind, it was just like, well, this is just what you, you know, do. Um, These are just ways that I can process and deal with the sadness I'm feeling. Um, but to see and uncover the fact that I think I was just trying to find something that I could control since I couldn't control, you know, my mom's sickness, her getting worse and then passing. Um, and so, yeah, I, f- I definitely found comfort in being able to control those small things or areas in my life. Um, and then later, I think things that God helped me to um, use to actually deal with it in a, in a biblical God honoring way. Um, it's just one, just to be able to cry. Um, I mentioned my paper like that for the longest time, I just thought that if I showed too much emotion or if I allowed myself to cry, that meant that I didn't believe that God was sovereign or good and that I was somehow angry or upset and, not happy with his plan by crying. And that was like me complaining. Mm. Um, but as again, as I took those classes and I studied even the Psalms and seeing the Psalmist with real like emotions and, and crying out to God and, you know, laying their hearts out before him. Like I was able to see that emotion is not a bad thing. Like God gave humans emotions. And so it's a matter of like what we do with them. Um, they can be sinful, but in many ways, they're a good thing. And, and to learn how to allow myself just to cry and to grieve was I think one of the first things, um, is one of the first ways I was able to, or how I dealt with my mom's 
um, passing. And, um, and then I think just another way is to, um, a friend gave us a couple hymns, um, that were really helpful to our family. And my mom, one of my mom's favorite hymns was great is thy faithfulness. So even just Mm -hmm. to listen to that hymn and to remember, um, those words and even just to reflect, like reminisce on when my mom would sing those, those words and, um, and just even to sing along to it in the background um, was really helpful because those truths are, you know, found in scripture and, and lamentations and just remembering that yes, in grief, God is still good and God is still faithful and God is still there and he is my hope. Um, and then I think just talking about it too, talking about the loss, talking about my mom's death, talking about the sickness and all the struggles um but then also talking about like all of the joys and all of the fun moments and the memories the funny stories about her I think were also really helpful in dealing with um those overwhelming waves um talking with my mom's two sisters too and just reminiscing with them was really helpful um because I think a lot of times we just try to like stuff it and not talk about it or just like you know, everyone else is moving on. So I just need to charge ahead and move on too. Um, but to take time to just talk about my mom and just the fun times we had was really helpful. And you say it very succinctly in your paper that the process of grief is part of the process of sanctification and just really maturing us, reminding us of how good God is and his faithfulness, like you mentioned and in your mom's favorite hymn. Well, you've kind of alluded to bits of this already, but I want to ask how the gospel of Jesus Christ ministered ministered to you in in your loss. Hmm. Um, Well, first, I think just knowing that my mom had a solid faith and she believed in Christ as her Lord and Savior. So... Um, just knowing that she was going to be worshiping God forever um, when she did um, pass away was um, just a joy for me, for her. I'd be just so happy for her to be (laughs) um, just face-to-face with her creator. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that was definitely like a, I mean, while it was sad, I was so happy for her. And so that brought me joy. And I think just, again, having my hope, the hope of the gospel, um, you know, that that Christ is my anchor and that as much as I loved my mom and as much as I was thankful for her, God saw fit that I didn't need her anymore, um, that he was I mean, he was all, he has always been enough for me, but that just to remind me like he is enough and that he is all that I need, um, as important as she was. And so, um, I think just knowing that too, and remembering that he will always be with me, he will never pass away. And he is my faithful father, um, was definitely just a comfort as well. Um, and uh, just a good reminder too that yeah my hope was not in things of this earth in people of this earth um, but a reminder to 
keep my eyes fixed on eternity, not to build my kingdom here, um, but to look ahead to the to my future. How did you come to all those different reflections and and solid thoughts? Uh, <laughs> you know, like I don't know how long you had to write this, but it seems like it would take some time to to have all those like that clarity. You know, of, like, <laughs> what what was happening and what you learned from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it definitely was, well, one, I kind of had an unofficial log and would update people as my mom's sickness progressed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was helpful just to kind of have that log and to see God's faithfulness in all of those small details and, and big details. Um, and, and then I think also just being able to, or kind of being forced to because of my, my schooling in my counseling program to have to write papers and to have to reflect. So I mm -hmm. think that was also really, I mean, just a grace from God too. And very timely. Um, cause I think I could have just kind of pushed it off and said like, Oh yeah, I, I've dealt with this, but I think to have to write it and to mm -hmm. type it into my computer or mm -hmm. to be forced to process it was really helpful and, and forced me to, you know, reckon with where you know what my thoughts were on losing my mom and and how the bible plays into that and and god's sovereignty and and god's faithfulness and all of that so um so i think it, it was yeah i think that's just all of those thoughts i think kind of came out through different papers and having to think through it in different classes i'm curious to know you know in your experience of loss and and, and how you processed it how does that help you to comfort other people in their losses? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, just practically, I think having had a loss um, of a person, I think it just opens a, a door to be able to talk to other people um, that are going through similar things or, or just a loss in general. Um, I feel like it makes them a little more open and receptive mm -hmm. and, um, even willing to just dialogue with me about it. Um, and then I think also too, like, um, just being able to share like the resources that I was able to, that were a comfort and encouragement to me during that time and, and still are, mm -hmm. um, I have like a go-to hymn. It's called, um, he giveth more grace. And I, like to text that or email it to people that I know that are either going through a suf suffering or a hard time or, or a loss of someone or, or something. Um, and I just love the, the lyrics to that hymn, um, that he just, he gives more grace and that he provides and will, is there and is faithful. And, um, so even just being able to have those kind of resources on hand. And also I, I like to, send people great as thy faithfulness too. And um, so I think just some of those, those ways I'm able to comfort others. Um, and then also the other thing I, I like to do is um, a lot of times people, um, if they, when they lose someone, you know, friends and family are, are there in the days after and even in the weeks after, um, and even in the months after, but as time goes on, like the people that check in are fewer and far between and just naturally people move on with their lives and forget or 
Um, and so one thing I like to do is if I know that someone, particularly I've had a couple of girlfriends lose their uh, appearance and I put that date in um, my phone just so that I can not just remember a, a day or a week or a month later, but um, years later. Mm. And just to te- send them a text on that anniversary of, of their parents' homegoing or, or death and just to be able to like let them know that I'm praying for them, thinking of them, and that I remember. Because um, I think that was a big encouragement to me, too, um, of just I – mean, it was an encouragement like when people would check in days and weeks and months. But I think like as time goes on, just year after year, um, people checking in and, and remembering – Megan's story of losing her mom and then her sharing that she is yet able to comfort and remember others in their loss reminds me that we have, according to 1 Corinthians 1-4, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Megan also shared a hymn called, He Giveth More Grace, which I wasn't familiar with, so I looked up the lyrics and found these words. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. I served as a missionary overseas for two years, there was a distinct experience of loss that undoubtedly was one of the most difficult periods of my life. It was not only leaving friends and family behind, but also losing so many things that I knew as me and made up my identity back at home. I speak now with Grace Tang, who was born in Malaysia and came to the U.S. at 16 years old. She worked as a CPA before serving as a missionary in Central Asia for 10 years and then in Northwestern China for eight years. I talk with Grace drawing from her many years on the missions field and having gone through many types of losses from ministry to physical belongings and even ambitions and dreams of being married. How would you, Grace, describe loss or define loss to somebody else? I define loss as anything valuable that is lost. Sometimes you don't know that thing is valuable to you until you have lost it. Mm. Then you have a reaction um, about the loss. Then you realize that, oh, I I think I've lost something important here. Mm. So it's just something tangible or intangible that is lost. And that's a good point that it could be either tangible or intangible. Because sometimes, like you said, we might not know that we actually are experiencing loss, right? Um, right. Well, on, you, you know, you could lose your health. Um, I call that a tangible loss. You you lose a child, or that is a tremendous uh, heartbreaking loss. And you could lose a relationship. You could lose a routine that you are used to. 
um, you could lose your sense of familiarity, uh, things that you used to go about doing without having to think about it. But when you cross culture, suddenly things are so familiar, unfamiliar that you know you have to be on alert. You have to think about everything you do, and after two hours, you are exhausted. Where you, you know, you think that you should have more energy, but it's because you've been so engaged with something new because you've lost the sense of familiarity. Mm. Yeah. When you describe loss as, you know, something tangible or intangible, right, like a routine, um, why why is it so hard <laughs> when we experience loss? I think a lot of times because it knocks me off balance. It, it catches me by surprise. And getting back to equilibrium takes a lot of energy. You know, you're going a certain way and sometimes a loss just stops you in going, going that way. And then suddenly life is going another way, not the way you would choose. And I guess um, the aloneness, loneliness sometimes comes with losses. There may be regrets and there may be envy like, oh, I lost this. How come other people um, still have what I want, what I used to have? It leaves a big hole in your life like a vacuum and doesn't even have air in it for you to breathe. Um, losses affects the way you see yourself, you know, whether you are a success or a failure, a victim or a victor, you know, blessed or cursed. It affects the identity. It may affect what you believe about God, his goodness, love, justice. So loss can be very confusing. That's what makes it so hard. Yeah, it's definitely disorienting and sometimes it can really catch us off guard when we do experience it and in the, in the midst of loss we may or may not be aware you know or to be able to identify what that is that we are experiencing as we experience these different losses in our lives how how is it for you specifically as you've experienced loss in different seasons to be able to counsel others or to minister to others in their times of loss I have noticed that people grieve differently. You know, some people, when they have experienced losses, they want a lot of company. You know, like some of the disciples after Jesus um, died on the cross, a lot of them just gathered together. But then some people just want a few people to be with them. And then some people were inconsolable, like Mary Magdalene, she was just aggrieved. Some people had doubts, like Dr. Thomas, and I'm sure Peter had a lot of regrets. So first thing is to accept that people grieve differently. Number two, I think is to recognize the effects of losses. Be gentle with yourself. Take time to identify the losses. Uh, read the Psalms because it has a lot of emotions in it. Talk to God about it. Verbalize your thoughts and feelings in talking or writing. Learn to lament in writing or in just out loud. Um, I encourage people to reflect on the value of what you lost and compare it to the value of knowing Christ. Is belonging to Jesus enough for joy in your life? If not, then why? I also encourage people, um, I myself do this a lot, is to look at biblical characters who suffered losses like Joseph, Moses, Naomi, Ruth, Job, 
the Israelite as a nation, Mary and Martha, disciples of Jesus after Jesus died. And I ask questions like, what did they lose? What did they gain in return? What was God's purpose? Now, life is not all about you or me. And then what happened is part of God's big cosmic plan. plan. If you look at the story of Joseph, you can see that. And it took Joseph a while to figure out what God was doing. So we had to take the eternal perspective. And another thing I encourage people to do is to do hopeful, thankful learning. Hopeful is, I ask myself, what am I hopeful for at a time like this? And then I ask myself, what am I thankful for at a time like this? And then I ask myself, what am I learning about life, myself, God? So three questions, hopeful, thankful, learning. Hmm. I have a practical question to ask too, just as we do minister to people in their loss. What What is the first thing, and you mentioned earlier, of how each person grieves differently. As a friend who is uh, seeing another friend experience loss, how would you start that conversation of being able to work with them. I sometimes we don't address the loss because it's uncomfortable, but do you have any practical suggestions of how as a friend, if you see another person experiencing loss, how do, how do you even, what's the first thing you say to them or do you give it some time? I will approach them and just say, hey, how are you doing? I noticed that this and this happened and to me, there are some losses in there, it seems. And and then see what you say. Mm. That's mm. a good way. Because sometimes I think we, especially as Christians, try to skirt around it and a little bit and uh, maybe not full-on address it. But I think engaging it in a, in a general sense of asking how someone is doing and allowing them the opportunity to, to offer what what they're experiencing is is a good way to kind of sense perhaps where they are in those different ways that they grieved that you mentioned yeah that's something i know that i've experienced for myself it's a little awkward sometimes you want to say something sometimes you want to give it some time but sometimes you also just don't want it to make it be the elephant in the room if someone has a particular loss because you know that that person is grieving in some way, but uh, it's uncomfortable to sometimes engage it. Mm. Yeah, Sherry, something I learned uh, recently is that sometimes people don't feel like they are sad. Don't look. Th- okay. Sometimes people don't look like they are sad. They are angry. Mm. But under anger, most often you find loss and fear. Mm. And I will go go there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I never mm-hmm. thought about even in the response of anger that there's something lost there, like a loss of control or yeah, right. a loss of some kind of right that they think they had. Yeah, that's good to be observant as well um, in, in our friends and our community as uh, things that may be experienced in a different emotion, but can also be lost. Yeah, thanks yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the most you know hopeful message you know as we minister to those in their losses 
is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thankfully, he is the one who experienced the loss of his life, you know, so that we um, on his behalf could could gain the permanent relationship with God the Father. How, in your opinion, does the gospel of Jesus Christ minister to us in our losses? Well, after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, the rest of the Bible is about restoring what was lost, that intimate, rightful relationship with God and each other, you know, honor, joy, peace, security, eternal life. And the gospel tells us the way to restore all those precious things. And Jesus Christ ministers to us when we experience losses today through his presence. Um, Psalm 23 the Lord is my good shepherd. His presence means I am not alone. I am safe. God was with Joseph through all his trials and losses, and he is with me now. And Jesus also ministers to us through his example in handling losses. What did Jesus do when disciples deserted him? That was a big hit to his ministry. How did he respond when he was shamed, lost all honors, when he hung naked on the cross? Often we are surprised by losses, but I don't think Jesus was ever surprised by losses. But it still affected him, like he cried when his good friend Lazarus died. But I don't think he was surprised by losses. Losses are normal occurrences in this fallen world. And from Jesus, I learned that not to hold on to anything too tightly in this world. When you have it, enjoy it. Be thankful for it. When you lose it, surrender your desire for it. Mm. I like that reminder of how Jesus himself experienced different losses as, as he experienced humanity in the flesh. And that story of Lazarus is something that I was reminded of just yesterday of how even Jesus knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead, you know, five minutes later or however much time, you know, uh, elapsed between him arriving at the house and, and eventually raising him from the dead. But at the same time, he grieved and wept along with the family. And it, I think it, that's a very significant detail that our God understands these emotions and that our losses uh, find meaning and purpose and, and hope in Jesus. And that's something we can rest in very um, very much so and it gives us something that we can remember and anchor ourselves to in the midst of all the different losses yes it's time now in our podcast to look at scripture hebrews 4 12 says for the word of god is living and it's active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Philippians 3, 7-11 But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There's something very distinct about the experience of loss for the Christian as written by the Apostle Paul here in Philippians. In this episode, we've looked at why loss is so hard, and here Paul is willingly saying that he counts all things as loss, including his very identity, compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ. What would compel Paul to say such a thing except for the truth that Jesus is just that superior? His salvation has secured for us an entrance into a kingdom that will finally see many of these earthly experiences overturned. We see this clearly in Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verses 3-12, to which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus prefaces each of these conditions experienced here on earth with the word blessed, which is this idea of happiness. Being happy is perhaps loaded with other connotations when we think about it in our modern English translation. But biblically, it's the idea that all is well in these circumstances when viewed in its right context of God's kingdom. In fact, when we go back and look at the words from the Apostle Paul in our earlier passage in Philippians 3, we can better understand how we'd want to share in his sufferings with Christ in light of the fact that it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that brings perspective to our earthly losses. In my interview with Grace, she encouraged us to look at biblical characters and how they experience loss to better inform us of our own experience of losing things. One of my favorites that she mentioned is the story of Joseph. After growing up as the favored son of Isaac, his father, He lost all of this privilege when he was thrown into a ditch by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, and then he was treated as if he were dead. Later on, as his fortune seemed to be turning, he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then thrown into jail. He was also forgotten by the chief cupbearer after interpreting his dream and had to remain in jail. In all of this loss of family, of freedom, of rights, Joseph is never recorded to have cried. And yet, when we reach the end of his narrative, all of a sudden, Joseph is crying all over the place. First, we learn that he had to turn away and weep as he was reunited with his brothers. Then he cried when his brothers brought back Benjamin. He wept loudly when he couldn't withhold his identity anymore to his brothers. And then he wept on Benjamin and his brothers and again on his father's neck after being reunited. 
And then there was a final time at his father's passing where he was also recorded as crying. Joseph could have well been crying through all of his previous difficulties. I mean, I would have been a mess through that all. But in trying to understand what's recorded in scripture tells me that there's a profound kind of weeping at the end of things when God's purposes are fully revealed. Joseph could see that what was meant for evil, God intended for good. This gives us hope for the vision we anticipate the kingdom of heaven will be in all of its fullness. We'll look at our earthly experiences and the faith we had to muster through them, and like Isaiah 25, 9 describes, it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited on him that he may save us. This is our Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So, knowing our hope as Christians, what are some practical ways that we can respond in the midst of our losses? First, let's go back to our question of why loss is so hard. Sometimes it's true that knowing the hope of the gospel can actually make us feel worse when we still feel sad or hurt or angry in the midst of losing things. There can be condemnation or shame in feeling like we shouldn't be as sad as we are. And I can totally relate to this in my own perfectionism and wanting to be perceived as everything is just being okay. Megan shared with us about her sinful ways in dealing with loss, but she also shared that she needed to cry out to God. And Grace encouraged us to look at the Psalms of Lament. One of the things that we can do in our loss is to truly engage it by acknowledging that there is a loss and then grieve it. We may not always know that we're experiencing loss, but if you think about every change in our lives as a loss of something, you begin to see that loss is at the heart of the human experience. David Pallison, who served as the executive director of the Christian Counseling Education Foundation, described losses as this. They are some good thing, something you really value, love, deeply enjoy, that proves to be fragile, temporary, unrecoverable, and unreachable. He also extends the categories of losses, saying that it's not just something you once had, but could be something that you still have but feel is going to be gone from you, or something that you never had but had hoped to have. These categories for me are useful knowing that loss can encompass all of this and seeing that so much of me is grieving the loss of so many things. It's humbling to be okay to say that these things that I'm grieving over do in fact matter to me. Certainly there are some things that matter less than others, like Megan said, a pair of shoes. But at the same time, this pandemic has showed me that there are so many things that I have lost that I really did value, even the most mundane things like my commute to work. Acknowledging their value and lamenting their loss helps me to reconcile the pain that I'm experiencing in its absence. Grace encouraged us to hopeful, thankful, learning postures in our loss, and I believe that this will drive a final posture of worship of our God for his steadfast faithfulness through it all. Second, we need to look to Jesus in our loss. 
Earlier in my interview with Grace, I reflected on the story of Jesus and Lazarus. Jesus had not come in time to heal Lazarus, but now the reality was that Lazarus had died. Instead of bursting onto the scene and immediately performing a miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus instead took the time to weep. Our Savior knows our earthly sorrow because he himself entered it. And it was God the Father who gave up his only Son so that we could, in the end, have life. What was lost in Genesis 3 after the fall of man in our relationship with God was permanently restored in Jesus. And Jesus was tempted in every way in his humanity, and so he knows our pain. He knows. This is a truth that we must preach to ourselves. Finally, as we reconcile our own losses in light of the gospel, we need to also think about how we can engage others in their losses. I appreciate both Megan and Grace's suggestions of how to do this. Like Megan, you can reach out to friends and acknowledge those losses. A text message remembering someone's loss can go a long way. Grace told us that we can also directly engage a person by calling out that elephant in the room and saying what we notice or observe and know, or know to be true and then ask how that person is doing. So many times I realize I have to just get over my own awkwardness to see that loving others means caring about their losses enough to address them, listen to their concerns, and even grieve with them. Father, as we long for your kingdom to come, we look to the words of David in Psalm 40, 16 to 17. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Thanks for listening to the Life as He Reveals podcast. For more episodes, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find me on my website, lifeasherevealscom